Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Everybody Eats Show. So this is actually take two of this episode since last time we did it. Um, I didn't press record, so it happens, right? We say we have one goof a one day, goof a day, meaning one mistake a day, and that was our mistake. Just didn't press record after a really good episode. But everything happens for a reason. That's what we said last time too, right? Yeah, right. Everything yeah, happens for a reason, reason right? Need to connect in person. Exactly. So it's all good. Exactly, right? We have a better setup this time. All that good stuff. So. Um, we're going to go into today's episode. Before we start, make sure that you're uh, checking us out on all platforms. Um, Everybody Eats Show on Instagram, on TikTok, EVE underscore show on Twitter, our YouTube channel, Everybody Eats Show. Make sure that you're checking us out. That's where we have our one-on-one classes. We have our tax, our business tax 101 class by uh, Joanne Marius, who was one of our former guests. It's up there on our YouTube channel, and we're looking to do a credit one soon. So hopefully by the time this comes out, um, that will be in the works. So make sure you're checking us out on YouTube. Um, let's get into today's episode, right? So today we are joined with Mr. Vernon Lee Jr. All right. So thank you again for uh, you just did the drive, right? So this this is why I love our guests because they put in the effort. Right. Just yes. did a drive, yeah. touchdown, fresh off the road, touchdown in Hampton, and then he was like, "Oh, okay, we can have time to do an episode with you guys." So we really appreciate you taking your time out of your busy day, busy schedule. So if you can introduce yourself for the people, let them let them know what you do, who you are, and then we'll get this conversation rolling. No, I, again, thanks for having me. You guys have done some great work in the community and got a great audience. And so happy to be here and you'll be able to share a little bit of my story. So Vernon Lee, originally from Hampton, VA, 757 guy, although the area code was different when I was growing up, uh, growing up here. But uh, when I left Hampton, uh, you know, I went to Hampton High, played football, Russell, very active in sports. Went to Howard, undergrad, uh, later University of Dayton for grad school. But while I was at Howard, I was part of the Air Force ROTC program. You know, I'd grown up in Hampton, Langley Air Force Base. My dream was actually to fly jets. Like, I wanted to be an Air Force pilot. There are a number of reasons that didn't happen, one of which was me having to get glasses and not being able to <laughs> for a, a pilot slot, unfortunately. But I still wanted to be an Air Force officer. I uh, was able to go on active duty, spent six years in the Air Force. I've done a, a number of things, which we can get into a little bit later. Uh, but primarily been a project manager in uh, the acquisition career field. That was my first exposure to technology. After I got out of the Air Force, um, I was stationed in LA at the time. Um, relocated to the DC area, to Northern Virginia. I was a consultant with PricewaterhouseCoopers. KPMG, then PricewaterhouseCoopers, was a director there. Got exposed to the venture capital space. Yeah. Uh, left PwC, started my own firm, business advisory firm called Brightwood Management Partners. Uh, and then later, uh, my current firm, the Marathon Fund, we have a venture capital fund uh, focused on investing in early stage companies, particularly that are underrepresented. So yeah. black, Latinx, disabled, LGBTQ, and veteran entrepreneurs. And that's what we're focused on now in terms of early stage investing. Got it, got it. So uh, like we said, there's a lot, a lot to unpack over there, right? You got a, a lot of different journeys. So. Um, First, you said Air Force, right? So last time we got a little bit more in depth into that project management space, so we don't have to get as in depth, but I would like you to kind of speak more about um, how that came about. I know you said you had um, you had a mentor that kind of helped you into that space. Um, could you speak more about how that experience shaped you and how, what you learned throughout that journey of project management? And, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I was a business major 
uh, underground. We didn't necessarily focus on project management, so it wasn't until I got in the Air Force. Yeah, it's been part of this acquisition career, career field that the discipline of project management and working these projects were very critical. And so initially, I was actually a financial manager, but I had a mentor, this amazing, amazing woman, uh, that saw a lot in me, uh, saw how hard I was working, and basically made me her deputy program manager or project manager at the time. So I did go through some formal classes and certifications and, and all of that stuff, but the level of discipline that's required to, you know, when you're working on multi-million dollar projects, you've got to have processes and a certain yeah. level of discipline to manage through that. And so that's that was my foundation, essentially. So, and I got that while I was in the Air Force. Um, uh, and then subsequently, uh, future projects I worked on, uh, satellites, you know, that was the technology sort of exposure that I got as a project manager, but yet wasn't an engineer or, or a developer, but I had to understand enough of that as a project manager to, to be successful. Yeah, for sure. So I want to, I just want to backtrack real quick. Um, so you mentioned you did uh, sports growing up, uh, high school, um, wrestling, football, and going into ROTC in um, at Howard, sorry. Um, obviously, you mentioned discipline a lot. How do you keep that going? You know, it's not easy. I did sports in, in high school growing up. You know, there are times where I just want to, I'm sure you, you know, may have slacked a little bit, but obviously keeping that going through every point in your life, that's not easy. So how do you keep that, like, fire going? I don't think we I, asked this last time. No, I don't think we got into that. I think for me, one of the things I, I draw upon, and I think we talked about before, like you draw upon certain experiences that you have, again, professionally, education, family, and you, you try and draw on things that it can be positive, but sometimes it can be negative. I think the biggest thing for me, I, my love for sports, particularly football, I was fortunate to, to be on some really good teams, and particularly in high school. We, wanna, you know, we went to the state championship every year, we won two, we were nationally ranked, but all of the hard work being able to see from the beginning, off season, to preparation, goal setting, working as a team, again, the ups and downs and all the things that come along with that, and then being able to see you know, the success at the end of the year, I really grasped onto that, like, wow, look, if, if you do follow a certain plan and a path, there's a level of success you can have. So I think that was the underpinning foundation for me in using sports as this metaphor for life, which, and I know we'll talk about Hampshire's Youth Foundation uh, in a bit, but that was something that my co-founder, Carl Francis, and I had a similar mindset around sports being this uh, area of discipline. So for me, the love of sports, I still draw upon that and that experience, you know, again, being at Hampton High, I've kind of taken that all the way through, even as an Air Force officer, these expectations that were required to be an Air Force officer, and that discipline, it just started becoming, you know, I found it, it found it. Yeah. And it was just sort of a, a natural um, connection. Same thing being a consultant, you know, sort of level of discipline that you have to advise clients or recognize patterns and things. Um, I just had a number, uh, enough of success associated with that hey, this discipline that works for me, that foundational sort of mindset uh, was helpful. Now, would you say uh, part of that, um, you mentioned the planning process. So is is that a big thing for you? Do you, how do you, like, being where you are now, do you feel, I'm sure growing up, you had to be a part of that process. I'm sure you had to feel like you agreed with what was going on, like, um, and you could see yourself in that. So is, is that something really um, that matters most to you in terms of uh, we're now going on to projects and, and um, working in, in Hampton Road Youth Foundation. Um, 
the, the plan that they have set out? Is that something that really matters to you? Yeah, I, I think so because, you know, some of the things we talk about, and you hear coaches talk about this in, in all realms about execution. And so from a fund standpoint, when we meet with entrepreneurs and we're evaluating whether it's a good investment or not or uh, and managing through that, not just being an investor, but also being value-add and advisor, most entrepreneurs fail because they because of a lack of execution mm. and consistent execution. Did you realize that, sorry, at, at a younger age or as you got older? Um, uh, I realized Through sports that, or, you know. Yeah, like, I recognize it at an early age through okay. sports right. because in practice, if you're not executing on the plan that the coach has laid out, you saw the result of that. I mean, there yeah. was just, you know, there were games we lost or games that, um, mistakes that were made because um, of lack of discipline. And, and again, literally, I could hear, I was just very fortunate to have some really amazing coaches, uh, Mike Smith, Alice Mann, and Danny Mitchell, that always talked about discipline, like a lot of the discipline that you have to have in the off season. In the, you know, I think Lombardi said something about it's not the will to win, but the will to prepare to win, hmm. right? So that's a different mindset in terms of discipline, execution, and doing it on a consistent basis. And one thing, you know, I've had people that work for me, uh, both in the Air Force and active duty as consultants and in and, and other uh, facets of life, about being consistent and consistent execution. Because you can be great for two weeks and then if you totally yeah. drop off the next week, you know, you make yourself vulnerable, there's risks and things of like that. And again, we're all human, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's gonna be pivots and turns yes. and things that happen. But if you have a mindset of a uh, certain level of discipline and milestone setting and consistent execution, I have found through my career as a consultant, as an investor, and working with a lot of entrepreneurs that they're the ones that end up being most successful. Because people have all great ideas all the time yeah. or a passion or I had a dream to do. It's like, yeah, but the people that get out there and hustle and execute on day to day and not distracted by all the other things that are around them, then those are people that typically, you know, sort of rise and are able to differentiate themselves. But yes, for me, I, I, again, I, for me, it was, it was, it kind of came to me naturally. I drew upon that from sports and my experience uh, uh, in football, you know, in high school. For sure. Um, that execution that good, piece, yeah. I, that really, that really touches because uh, I've said this to you know, a few times, like, even myself, I, I have a lot of ideas, right? And like with the podcast, when, when it comes to the podcast, when it comes to, we have a closing line too, like um, I'm pretty good when it comes to generating ideas, but I do need help when it comes to executing them, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, oh, I have a great design for, uh, I have a great idea for design. I have a great idea for this type of content. I have a great idea for how we should do this. But then it's like, all right, cool. How do we actually put that into action, right? And it's like, um, and that's where, me studying project management right now, that's where like those classes and just learning it has really helped me because it's like, like day one, it was like, hey, like first thing the project management is like knowing how to plan, right? Like it's like, so it was like, all right, cool. For me personally, I love to, like I love the end result. I love to kind of like just hurry up and get it done. And it's like, all right, no, these are the actionable items. These are the steps that you need to take in order to make your idea into reality, right? To, to execute it. So. Um, that's just something I'm practicing, learning through the podcast. It's hard, by the way. This, it's not easy. Oh, for like, sure. Yeah, yeah sure. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it like, <laughs> yeah. Again, some people, I think we all have uh, certain traits. And yeah, like, some people more naturally gifted. Yeah. Or some of these other, yeah. um, 
you know, trait analysis, self assessment. Like we all have, I forget, there was another one I did as part of an executive group a couple of years ago, but it talks about how we learn. Yeah. Like some people are analytical thinkers, some people are, are learn by actually doing, yeah. some uh, learn by um, reading, others are more visual, like we're all different type of learners. Right. Yeah, yeah. And we have the self-awareness about yourself, we can identify that. I gotta, I gotta find which self-assess. Uh, oh, please, I'd love to take that. Yeah, I, 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 I gotta need that. Because even as a senior executive, that one was a little bit different from Myers-Briggs, although Myers-Briggs was also good because it can determine are you an introvert versus extrovert. Yeah. Because how you learn and how you recover, like your energy. There are people that are very good in the room, right? And, you know, people draw to them, but they are actually introverts. But when they get on stage or in certain environments, they're extroverts. Like they project this, you know, outward. But the time to recover, they have to be by themselves really to recover because it's because of energy. That one right there. So when you learn that about yourself and, and again for for your audience and, and others, and it could there's a core part of who we are as learners. Yeah. Uh, but the other assessment I can't again I can't remember. Um, I mean I'm an extrovert. Like it's I can give energy and then I, I feed off the energy from other people. Uh, but there are periods the way I learn may be different from the way you learn. Yeah. So I'm using that as an example around project managers. Some people are more disciplined naturally yeah. to say, you know, I want to get into the details of how I'm going to get, but they can't, they have a difficult time strategically thinking mm. or coming up with a vision of something. But if you put, if you give them that goal, they'll execute the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah. But then other people that are like, hey, I'm more creative. And so when you, when you have, you have a business partner or others around you or you hire people and advisors, you want to kind of create this. You know, again, it's just like a, a basketball team of yeah, course, yeah. and people play different roles. And yeah. When you realize that and have that self awareness, it'll help you also. Like, you know, I'm not that great at project management. I need to take a class. So I need to have people around me that can execute better than than a partner and yeah. figure out a way to uh, for everybody to win. For sure, it's growing out that team, like you said. Um, and you know, we're learning that too. You know, it's just um, and that's that's the great part. It's that self awareness, growing out that team, seeing like, okay, I can specialize in this area. You can go handle this area, you can go handle that, yeah. and together, you know, we'll, we'll uh, move that goal forward. Um, so that's that's your time in the Air Force, and then we have Hampton Roads Youth Foundation, right? So um, can you explain what it is first, and then what is the story behind it? Yep, so the Hampton Roads Youth Foundation was started by uh, my co-founder, Carl Francis Jr., uh, from Hampton, uh, you know, we went to Robert High School, though, in Hampton, we went to Bethel. Okay. And so he had an idea when he first started working for the NFL Players Association to have a free football camp in Hampton, bring back a number of the NFL players that were from the area, serve as role model, models and counselors, essentially, for some of the area youth. And at the time, I was stationed, I was in the Air Force Station in LA. Okay. Uh, and there's some other reasons he called me, which around, I had done some other entrepreneurial uh, related endeavors by promoting parties when I was at Howard, but doing it in, in Hampton. Hustle man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So I had just some entrepreneurial things, and again, or, the organizing, right, and the execution part of things. So, you know, I called my dad after I talked to Carl about, hey, what do you think about us doing this camp? He's like, yeah, that, that's a great idea. 
Because at that point in time, it's very different from today where it's 707 passing camps, there are combines, clinics, like everywhere. When we started this in 1996, there was none that existed. Sorry, none in Virginia or none like? There were, in the state of Virginia, the only other camp which started a year before ours was at William and Mary. Okay. They had a camp in partnership with Nike. And they okay. brought in, like, they were bringing two NFL players per year as part of it. And, and they ran that for probably 20 some years. So at, at that point, in the state of Virginia, yeah. that was the only other camp for Not much competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that point. Uh, now, Coach Tommy Rumi Sr., who, uh, legend, you know, longtime coach who played professionally. He had did a camp, I think back in the seventies, if I recall. And then maybe a, a, in terms of like bringing NFL players and then subsequently um, in the nineties, he had did another one. But so when we started ours, it was, and he was part of us uh, advising us, helping us get started with this one. Um, so anyway, so the whole folks was have a free football camp, bring up back a bunch of NFL guys. And again, you gotta understand the market and the timing of things also, right? Endeavor at that time, we had a bunch of NFL guys, even now, right? They were in the league, but a lot of them were some of our homeboys, guys we had played against. Yeah. We were growing up, Dwight Hollier, yeah. I think, was with the Dolphins at the time, Kwame Lasseter was with the Arizona Cardinals, Terry Kirby, I think, was with the Dolphins, Mike Husey was with uh, Tampa Bay, uh, Reggie Langhorn had just finished with the Cleveland Browns, Ty Kelly was with the San Francisco 49ers, Martin Mayhew, who was with the Washington football team at the time came down. So we, you know, we had this group of peers, so to speak, that, that kicked that off. And, and it went well. We had 500 kids out at Darling Stadium in Hampton. Great community support, coaches in the area, parents. And they were all like, hey, you got to do another one next year. And so it was never the plan. <laughs> we never had a conversation about hey, for the next 25 years, let's do football camps. Yeah, this is like, it. Let's just do one, <laughs> and we're giving back. And keep in mind, we both live in Northern Virginia, so we're not even, yeah, yeah, I mean, our yeah, families yeah. are here. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But this community raised us and poured so much into it, we wanted to give back, we're in a position to, to try and do something. So one year turned into two, and then after two, we're like, oh, you know, maybe we'll do five. And it just, again, honestly, just kept going. We've been very blessed with sponsors, community support. It's just been... Yeah, it's, it's, it's been really good, but that was not the plan. So we started with free football camps, you know, basic skills, offensive, uh, defensive skill on the field. But a part of the camp, we will always have a chat session with the players after the camp, and we'd feed them uh, free lunch. But that part of the camp around good decision-making, academic excellence, really focusing on off-the-field things was part of this post-camp chat and so football was like the hook to bring them in. Yeah, yeah. But we just found for those players, given their, uh, being their authentic self and given of their story where they may have made mistakes or could have done things better, was just amazing. It was yeah. way better than on the field, yeah. drills and, and that sort of thing. And I think that resonated with kids. That's that human interaction. Absolutely. It yeah, was. Yeah. You humanize them, you know, for yeah, the kids yeah. and everything. And, and that's yeah. exactly, it's funny because, you know, Mike Tomlin, uh, who's, you know, one of our partners in this thing. He he talks about that oftentimes when he's speaking to the kids, like, hey, I'm not an alien. Like, I'm from... I'm from right Pine, here. I'm from yeah. Pine, I was at Pine... I lived in Pine Chapel and some other areas that exist now. But, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm from... I know these... I'm from the same 
uh, area. And that was part of the message that we wanted to yeah. convey to the kids. But beyond that, we started doing scholarships. Uh, you know, we had fundraising events. We started uh, giving away um, scholarships each year. Uh, we started partnering with the local food bank uh, to bring awareness. Um, we started doing a leadership symposium to totally focus on okay. off the field activities and workshops around mental health, leadership development, law enforcement interactions. So the foundation expanded to start doing some of these uh, other things and really beyond just on the field stuff. Yeah. So um, when it comes to like the, the post game chat, right? Um, it, or like the post practice chat, it sounds like kind of like you said, it's like humanizing them. The first thing that kind of comes to my head is like, all right, realistically only a small number will actually make it to the league, right? However, it's those conversations that will kind of like stick forever, so to speak, or those like real interactions that are like gonna have a long lasting impact. Um, so I guess, wh what would you say is like your favorite part about that camp? Or like favorite thing that um, we look maybe it's like, most, what do you yeah. look forward to? Like, I want them to get this out of it after this week or weekend or whatever you say. It's definitely the interactions in the chat session and, and again we tell the message all the statistics around hey one percent might make it you know but the, the biggest message is if you love this game allow this game to give you an opportunity to get a college education that like that is really one of the driving forces of, of the conversation that but in order to do that you also have to be meet certain academic requirements and so use this as an opportunity if you love the game you know, let the game love you and then get a free education whether you go to the league or not like we're not even we're, this camp is not about preparing you to play in the, in the national football league yeah. it's to try and prepare you for life yeah but use sports yeah as that vehicle and that's the biggest message like yeah. we're always trying to drive that home you know some get it some don't you know i've got so many stories calling and i and, and others i've been at i've been in the uh parking lot at target I've been at Bush Gardens, <laughs> and there's a kid over the years, like just totally random, that has come up to me and said, "Hey, don't you do that football camp with the NFL guys?" And mm -hmm. like, oh my god, you know, it motivated me. I started getting, I started working harder in, in the classroom, and parent like, honestly, that's why. This is why, like, we're now in year 26, hearing this just organic, random, being somewhere, hearing that yeah. type of feedback. So, absolutely, the message is around. Use sport again. Sports is a metaphor for life. Like use sports as a way as um, a launching pad to get your education, and then you know, be a great entrepreneur or doctor or you know, attorney or whatever it is you might end up. Pursuing. Yeah, for sure. Um, that that reminds me of the episode we did with um, Jason Ford. Rest in peace. You know, one yeah, of our guests who recently passed, but he. Uh, he ran or um, an AAU basketball camp up in uh, up in Harlem or the Bronx? PSA Cardinals. PSA Cardinals. PSA Cardinals. So I think it's in the Bronx. Yeah. Um, but he ran Same. AAU basketball camp, very similar, coaching you know high school and the um, junior high high school students, preparing them again using sports for a metaphor for life, um, and things like that. So uh, I love seeing that message being consistent, like across uh, you know coaches and you know uh, that type of field. Yeah, and, and, and the other part, that's one other thing that is interesting because the messages that these players are conveying is the same stuff that our parents or uncle yeah. or teacher or mm -hmm. deacon in the church. It's the same message, but sometimes, depending on who
You just have to hear from someone. Exactly. I told him this. No, and and it's it's really crazy because um I'm it's not the exact same example, but um uh you I'm sure you hear about NFTs and whatnot, right? So um the biggest thing about that is no one knows what the heck they are. You know, they really nobody has an accurate definition. So um Bensky and I, you know, we have our not we're not experts or anything, but we have our definition and we saw a, a TikTok that was shared about Logan Paul explaining what an NFT was, and he said absolutely nothing. And he, he like he gave a definition, maybe the first two sentences he must have read off somewhere, and then after that he just started chatting. And someone said, oh, this is the, the best definition I've ever heard. And it just really dawned on me that, yo, I don't know, you just need to hear it from you know, someone else that is either at your level or, or um, Someone you respect or whatever, you know, it just doesn't matter how, but everybody digests information differently. Yeah, and yeah, and I, that was just exactly. the first time I really ever, like, ever struck, you know, stuck with me. So obviously right. hearing it from. Or for someone that's well known that's saying absolutely nothing. Exactly. But yeah. they're having this influence. It's like, they didn't say anything, but. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually didn't learn anything, but it was cool seeing them, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. No, but yeah, definitely hearing it from. The NFL player will definitely might be sinking. Yeah. And we we interact with the high school coaches like, hey, what's course, the things yeah. that are going on? I'm, some of you like gang violence was like a big big thing for even a lot of the high school student athletes. They were being recruited in gangs. You know, some other years, you know, high homicide rates. So you know, a lot of kids were dealing with mental uh, wellness challenges because a lot of like. So we, yeah. just, we try and focus the theme in some way, uh, kind of what's going on in the community at the time for. Whether it's the coaches we have, players, and even when we got guys from the area that are NFL executives and scouts and assistant yeah. GMs and stuff like that. So, so you didn't start off uh, obviously like that. Uh, so when did you realize? I asked this before, but when did you realize this was um, like you're you know built for this for the community to help the community? When did you? Uh, I'm glad you threw that in there. When did you start deciding to start uh, gear it more towards? What was going on in the community and how to um, do all that? I don't. Yeah, I, yeah. No, no. Okay. I, I, okay. I know exactly. I, I think. I think a coach, one of the coaches, pulled us to the side, and actually said, "Hey, here's what's going on." Um, and keep in mind, I mean, and we have, we've had participants in the camp. I mean, all over Virginia. I mean, we say Hampton Roads, but we, you know, yeah, from, yeah, from all over. But it was a couple of coaches that pulled us to the side and said. Hey, can you make sure Coach mentions this thing? And that's what kind of sparked. And again, years ago, to just like, hey, you know, some of our kids are struggling academically. Hey, can you really, really drive on the academic part? Or, or um, there was some, a lot of things were happening with recruiting and kids all thinking they're Division One. Dang. Like, <laughs> you know, and so they talked about that. Like, hey, can you focus on like, hey, keeping all your options open and. So normally the coaches would just kind of pull us aside and it just kind of happened organically because they had, they saw the impact that the chat session was having and they just mentioned like, hey, this year can you make sure, you know, Mike Vick or Aaron Brooks or uh, you know, Ty Kelly, whoever, you know, whoever may have been up here, can they you know, make sure they hit on this theme or whatever? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I, yeah. I love that because, like you said, it's more it's more than just football, you know? So it's 
making sure that you're um, touching those subjects that are going to last a little bit longer than football or have a mm-hmm. deeper impact impact than football. And you know, hearing it from role models and people like that, it's gonna it's gonna strike differently. So yeah. and hearing it from your parents who are saying the same thing every day. I know that my dad was a teacher, so hearing <laughs> academic stuff from him all the time was like, yeah, yeah. But after a while, it's like, yeah, same thing, same thing. And then. Yeah, the same thing for someone else. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. Oh, I never thought about <laughs> this. Like, yeah, I never heard this before. Yeah, I never thought about it. <laughs> You're so, right. <laughs> like, I should study. Like, yeah. <laughs> if I do my homework several days before, oh, yeah. I'm going to get stand up all night. Nah, he's like, my dad should have told me that. <laughs> my right? parents don't tell me this. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, crazy. Oh, yeah. Like, man, this is magical it takes a village right that's what they say it takes a village uh, it's funny on, on that like especially in college like you always start hey go get to know your professor like before like go to the office even mm-hmm. before you need anything like that's one of those things that people talk about often but you know a lot of students don't do that they'll right. wait until you know they need extra credit yeah, they need like, the extra credit like, what can I do it's like <laughs> my class like i've never seen it. but yeah like you know those are some yeah. little tidbits on you know trying to be better and different yeah, yeah. Sit, sit at the front of the class right yeah that's that's a basic you know thing sit you know and again even in high school sit at the front of the class and not be distracted sitting in the back like these are all i mean yeah. i know there's a lot of virtual things now but like all these little things that are the trying things to change methods. yeah because yeah. yeah. the instructor looks like oh okay Bensky's, yeah at least he's Seems like he's paying attention. Yeah, yeah. Uh, eat him. Okay, yeah, I can. You know, he'll ask it. Even if maybe you're not doing all the homework, maybe your projects aren't where they need to be, but at least you're trying and there's some, yeah. some effort that's there that, that give you the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. That's the advice. Same thought, your class. Go check out your professor. No, that's the, that's the, that's a hack, too. I, I didn't really implement that until like. Um, like now, taking them more like graduate level classes oh, and yeah. stuff. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, get cool with the professor. Like, I'll help out with the grades. So. Now, right. <laughs> again, we talked about some things becoming natural. That was a natural thing for me. Like, I just, and again, sometimes, you know, depending on personality, I probably over-indexed on trying to use personality and they really get to know some of, uh, some of my teachers as opposed yeah. to actually doing the, yeah. the level yeah, yeah. of work that really should have been done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, miss, you know, so-and-so, you know, I need a little bit more time. Like, I, I tried to finesse probably a little bit more than uh, yeah. actually doing the work like that. Yeah. Just, should have just did the work for sure um all right that's awesome so that will wrap up segment one we'll take a quick break and then we'll hop into segment two to do the quote of the day we'll get a nice duo and then we'll do the last segment talk more about the marathon fund all right well, segment two ready for that quote of the day Edom said he got a good one i'm not right, allowed to guess what we got, what we got. Yeah. all right it is um you can dream but don't neglect the execution Ooh. who said that i don't know that you can dream, but don't neglect the execution. So, in a rap song. Sounds like a bar. Yeah. Uh, oh, actually, well, uh, okay. the singer sang it, but I don't know her name. But the, you guys probably know the rapper. Um, from, I wouldn't is say the Miami? No, he's from uh, Charlotte. Uh, baby? No. <laughs> from, not Charlotte, sorry, North Carolina. I keep, not Take Charlotte, cold, North Carolina. I just said, don't guess. I said, don't guess. You could guess. He <laughs> could guess. 
Yeah, bro. Come on. <laughs> come on. I messed up Charlotte and, and North Carolina. That's because I had me stuck. So I was like, oh, I don't know it. Right. You know? Because <laughs> like, right, I'm going through. I'm like, the only next, next person I was gonna see the Kenny Pablo or J Cole. But, nah, you know. did J Cole? I was, I was, right. I was trying to like, you know, work a bit around. But yeah, J Cole. Uh, okay. His song changes off of um, for your eyes only. Okay. Yeah. So it was just part of the um, the hook. Um, it said, "Don't you can dream, but don't neglect the execution." And it was really funny that. That was supposed to be the first quote, but then I switched it um, when we first recorded. But yeah. No, here we are. Kept talking about execution, execution. I'm like, ah, I got to use this one. This oh, one. that is yeah, a good yeah. one. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I'm all about that, like we were talking before, in terms of implementation, execution consistently. So I'm I'm all about that. Yeah. That, the quote kind of speaks for itself. So yeah. can you say it one more time? You can dream, but don't neglect the execution. So don't sit there chatting with your boys. Yeah. Everyone has good ideas, or a lot of people, let's say, have a lot, a, of, people a lot have of people ideas. have a lot of good ideas, but it's that execution to see it through. That's that. And then, you know, it's another, you know, people talk about, um, don't talk about it, but be about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, similar mindset around dreaming versus executing on, yeah, a lot of people talk about what they're going to do, but, you know, be the person that actually goes out do and do it. Yeah. So for sure. And I was just also saying, and we kind of talked about this before, I mean, just on the same thing with the quote, you know, you don't have to broadcast like all of your moves. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, again, there's there's marketing and sales, which we all have to do. I don't care who we are, entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, you got something, you got, there's a level of marketing and, and promotion that you have to do. But I think um, oftentimes I'm seeing people over index on a lot of the talking, promotion, Social media posting, I'm going to go, all right, I got this. And it's like, you know, it's okay to move in silence. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a move, I think that's there's a no myth. shame in no that. No shame. I, Real G's moving silence like lasagna. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's a bar. <laughs> I think Meek Mill said that. Yeah, right I think it was Meek Mill. I think he said something about <laughs> moving in silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, was so. him, that was his bar. Oh, but, yeah, that's for real. Like, like social media, everybody, first mm-hmm. thing to do is get their phone out. Because like you, you said, I think you said the last episode, you're like, there are a lot of people making moves who aren't posting up on social media. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's one, I guess, one of the dangerous parts of it today, especially like you said with marketing, like you have people who are always like, yeah, post, you have to post your content, this time a third. And it's good to do that, but you have to make sure you're doing things behind the scenes too. Because that's where the actual business is. Like that's the, that's the tangible stuff, you know, yeah. when we do episodes like this, when we're going to pop up shops, like that's the actual podcast right the right. posting on social media is more for everyone just to see it right but like this here today it, like yeah. this is the actual like work you know what i'm saying so it's making sure that like you're focusing on that part and then you, you know more social media is, kind of said well, that's more of the marketing side and that's more like hey everybody like but, go follow us but yeah i mean even as creators right you guys are, are creators i mean you still have your work you got to research on like who, who's going to be your guests and how you're positioning which guests and what is the theme and messages you're trying to get out. I mean, you're, you're prepping with questions. I mean, that's that's the work. Like, that's, yeah. you know, the, the real work. That, the end result is what ends up getting, so, uh, getting exactly. posted. And, yes, you obviously want to post that and, and promote it and things of that nature. But there's a lot of prep that goes in. You're not showing up, plugging the equipment in. Like, yeah. there's some technical things you got to understand. Like, yeah. how do you – what's the right equipment? Like, there's a lot of work that goes into that, even in being a creator. But yeah. I think – from my perspective, and again, it's not an old school, new school thing. It's very yeah. much. It just works. Um, there, there are a lot of I know entrepreneurs, and I, I get to see a lot of uh, deal flow that are heads down um, executing, and you wouldn't even know it, right? Um, 
And yeah, they, they're tw tweeting and some other social media things, but they're just not over indexing on it. So that's just something else I would, which again gets to the execution quote yeah. um, that you're not over indexing on whatever you're doing every single day and not doing the real work behind the scenes. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So to wrap one more time, quote is, you can dream, but don't neglect the execution off of Changes by J. Cole. Let's do it. All right, are we still doing right. duo? Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Oh, so dynamic duo. This is Start. a new segment for you guys. A new segment for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we all have Everybody's to. Everybody's watching, like, why did they all pause? Yeah. <laughs> there is a story about it. Right. Yes, yes. So um, uh, last, last, again, last time we did this, we introduced a new segment for dynamic duo. Everybody gives uh, two, two people or two items that they feel are... Um, a big staple in their life or in society, and then they give a reason why. Um, mine is Frog and Toad from the book, the children's book. Growing up, I always read the books, always had them at home, and Frog and Toad, they're just best friends. They always did everything together. Uh, no matter what the other did, they still came back and turned it around and, and, and kept it pushing, so I thought their adventures were cute and uh, inspiring. So. Mm -hmm. Dynamic duo. Yeah. All right. Yeah, mine it's was the best one. Mine was peanut butter and jelly, right? So um, it stays consistent, right? It doesn't really switch up on you. I've been eating peanut butter and jelly since a kid. It's a great mesh that goes right, you know, goes right with each other. Um, nothing really too deep about it. You could probably make something <laughs> a little bit deep about peanut butter and what jelly. What kind of bread though? Is yeah. it a certain bread? Is it white bread only? Is it wheat? See, I, I grew up. I grew. I grew up on wheat bread, and then uh, when I, but trash. then once, trash. once I, you trash. know, I got a little Ooh. dollar. You know, I got a couple of dollars. Right now, I'm doing white bread or potato bread. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> we ain't good over here, so uh, it's way better on potato bread than on wheat bread, bro. Wheat bread is like wheat is so dry. You're not yeah. helping yourself. You get stuck on the peanut butter and then. <laughs> Nah, so give me some nice like potato bread or white bread, right? Peanut butter and jelly. Put one on each side, you know, put it together. It's a great staple food, right? It's a great snack. I'm pretty sure it's healthy for you. Peanut butter is good for you. I don't know about jelly. It's great, right? Grape it's jelly. It's been a while since I've had a PB&J, but I may have to. You might have to dip oh, back. Yeah. Just dip oh, back yeah. and do yeah, it. Just do it. Make it. Just make it right. Then go go. Get a pan, put butter on the pan, let it melt, and then put it on each side. Oh, he really taking yeah. it Okay. <laughs> That's that gourmet. That's that gourmet. That's a hack yeah. right there. Mm -hmm. All right. You're going to do that, and you're going to remember us. You're going to be like, yeah, everybody yeah. does it. Yeah. Right? Everybody, everybody does it. Like, everybody does it. <laughs> it's good. It's good. For sure. As, as a new flavor. And then your duo. Yours, yeah, was, my, yours was yeah. good. Yours was that. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I went very, in a very different direction. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about influences again whether it's you know children's story or food uh for me just reading the autobiography of malcolm x was a big big deal for me uh, when i was an undergrad so my dynamic duo is malcolm x and alex haley because that book the autobiography was just so instrumental and, and a lot of friends uh, just opened our mind to really understanding you know el hodge malik el shabazz's story and, and transition and civil rights and human rights and community building. So for me, the dynamic duo is Malcolm X and Alex Haley. Sure. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's jump into segment, technically four, but let's jump into this last segment. Um, let's talk more about this marathon fund, right? So um, venture capital, VC, um, I know this is what, fairly new. Can you let us know kind of like, we'll, first we'll start about like, you know, again, 
how you started it, what's it, what's it about, and then we can kind of talk more about the details and how entrepreneurs can learn about that. Yeah, so uh, I think in the world of entrepreneurship, right, you need financing, and some people get loans from banks, depending on the type of business you have. Normally, if you got contracts, you may get a bank loan to provide working capital. Uh, in venture capital, it's, it's more what we call sort of risk capital. And so you're investing in entrepreneurs, and you're working with them over a period of time. It's, it's, it is high risk for investors because we may not get that capital back. There's no yeah. collateral. But within venture capital, we are investing in high growth entrepreneurs and startups and companies that have an opportunity to scale significantly. Uh, we are primarily focusing for Marathon Fund to invest in early stage underrepresented entrepreneurs. So black, Latinx, women, disabled, LGBTQ, and veteran entrepreneurs. And typically we're investing in tech or tech enabled companies, Okay. right? So it's not leading with the tech, but it's the solution that they're providing that may be tech or tech enabled. And I might include uh, ed tech, fintech, digital media, healthcare, gov tech, and real estate tech. And so uh, we are raising our first fund uh, for Marathon Fund, but through some of our investors, we are actually deploying capital okay. and investing in various companies. We've invested in a voice AI company. Uh, we've got another fintech company that takes prepaid and unused cellular airtime and converts it into digital currency. Hmm. And what we found is that particularly in Africa and Latin America, there's a large population of unbanked and underbanked, but everybody has a smartphone. So with your smartphone, if you're able to have digital currency to trans, uh, transact business, uh, we found that to be a compelling um, business model for the company we invested in. And then we're um, about to invest in a virtual reality company that focuses on neurodiverse K-12 learners with autism and ADHD. Mm. So that's a metaverse play for us. So that's an okay. example of some of the companies. And there's some other things we're doing around Web3, metaverse things that are coming down Come the line on, around yeah. uh, innovation, esports, uh, gaming and esports and uh, STEM related stuff. Got it. So, a um, few so questions. Wide, wide range of things. Well, yeah. within, I, you know, within, within tech. tech, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. wide range of things. I mean, there's some things we won't do, like CPG, consumer product uh, good companies. We've seen some amazing founders that have done some great things, but you know, our track record of um, success, my two partners, uh, Wayne McKnight and Christina Francis. We just haven't done a lot of CPG deals. So, okay. But EdTech, digital media, FinTech, like we've, we can advise and bring more value in that space. Like biotech, we're not doing biotech. Restaurants, you know, we're not, yeah. you know, so there are some things we're not, yeah, yeah. You know, we're just passing on. I would assume, um, what is it called? Uh, target market is probably important too, kind of like sticking to, to one at first. Mm -hmm. um, is this the same as angel investing? So, and so great question. So when you look at sort of um, the pathway for a startup, like typically you want to get your friends and family to invest in your idea, right? To like launch it. Yeah. So after friends and family, then you want to get angel investors and they'll help prove out whatever your model is. You know, maybe hire some additional people, maybe it's building out, you know, whatever the solution is. And then so the institutional round is venture capital. So okay. although we're early stage investors, pre-seed and seed, in some cases we may be co-investing with angels, um, again, depending on the level of the company's traction, but that's typically the path, friends and family, 
angel investors, early VCs, and then growth stage venture capital uh, firms like the Andreessen Horowitz of the world, you know, the, the big, big ones you hear that are investing like hundreds of millions of dollars into a round. Uh, but we're early stage. We're in that. We try and be some of those early, early checks. Got it. Um, where are you, I guess, marketing? Like, where are you finding, like, these entrepreneurs? Is it just in, I know you said you're located around the D.C. area, mm -hmm. right? So, like, is it just locally or is it, like, anybody in the world, country, whatever, who has a good idea? So, so we are U.S.-focused. We have a national, we're national in scope. But the DMV, sort of mid-Atlantic, is where we think, like, most of our deal flows is coming from. So, from New York, kind of Miami, Atlanta. Again, having said that, we, it's really our referral network at the end of the day. I mean, we've just got, we've been around, we've got great relationships, you know, with law firms, other entrepreneurs, other investors, at different stages of investing that maybe there's a company or entrepreneur that is too early for them, but fits our time horizon. Um, but our referral network is the biggest one. Our relationships with, you know, universities uh, is really the biggest uh, source of deal flow. You went university, so it's students? Oh, yeah, we definitely, um, you know, we've got great relationships, again, especially in the DMV with um, all the local universities in the DMV um, and even in, in Baltimore. Uh, we've got really good relationships with Harvard Business School, Alumni Angels of, of New York in particular. We just did a uh, startup showcase with them. So we've definitely got university relationships and referrals that may come out of um, either you know school of business or the yeah. engineering department. But yeah, we, we definitely, I mean, we look at those university partnerships and the pipeline for those students with you know amazing ideas and seeing the world in a different way, solving problems. So yeah, absolutely. And we haven't funded any student-run businesses because most of them are probably gonna be a little early, but yeah. we're open to that and, yeah, yeah. and having that dollar yeah, understanding yeah, where if you got the idea and you can execute, it's yeah. we're here for it, right? right. <laughs> um, did you ever think about, I mean, we all know about Shark Tank or anything, but did you ever think about throwing something in a university Shark Tank-esque or? Not, not so I, I'm a judge on a lot of pitch conferences. Huh? That was my next question too, oh, that's crazy. It's crazy, we didn't even talk about this. <laughs> so I am, I am a, I've judged a lot of pitch competitions. So Jeez. a similar sort of Shark Tank, and I mean, there's other, Investors, other VCs that host competitions, their accelerators and incubators that host like when they have their cohort. Yeah. So I've done that a lot. Of, I've I've been a, I've essentially been a judge. So so it's similar to a Shark Tank type environment or demo days is another thing you, there may, you go. Yeah. You know, hear about. So yeah, I've participated in it, and I've you know I've met a lot of interesting companies that, um, again, timing wise, some end up pivoting and becoming something else, but. But yeah, to answer the question, I've participated. But we don't, other than the startup showcase, we've recently held a partnership, uh, which was virtual. We had six amazing women, um, six amazing founders that happen to be women of color, um, which was virtual. And we had a number of, oh yeah, it, mm -hmm. five incredible sisters and uh, one Latina. Great companies. Um, I think they're all going to be hugely successful. Uh, so that is something we've done. But that's probably the only time, like, we'll, like, sort yeah. of partner or sponsor uh, something like that. Yeah. Um, what would you say, like, what qualities are you looking for in a founder or an entrepreneur that makes you think, like, ooh, this is, like, a company or a person I can get behind? 
Yeah, for us, uh, it's decision-making is probably the number one. So when you're doing early-stage investing, there's not going to be a lot of numbers and traction, right? I mean, there may be some customer, you've got a minimum viable product. The entrepreneur should at least be at that stage and demonstrate some level of product market fit. But in those early days, I mean, you, you can talk to some customers, whether it's in a B2B model or B2C model, you can kind of look at some of that. But we really focus on the founder. And, you know, we actually got a whole criteria. We actually rate our founders, like if we get to the point of doing real due diligence. Internally, we actually rate them across this nine uh, criteria of nine categories. But decision-making is the number one. Like, what kind of decisions do you make uh, as we get to know them? Uh, you will find some investors that probably invest quicker than us, but we like to take a little bit more time to get to know the entrepreneur and vice versa, right? So they understand our style, kind of what our expectations are. What stuff do you find people uh, fail at the most outside of uh, business, I mean, uh, decision making? Uh, I think this uh, coachability. So That's the hardest thing? It's, it's amazing how many, I think, entrepreneurs that are brilliant, uh, smart, they've got an amazing idea, they start assembling a team, but they're not really coachable. Hmm. And so for us, we'll, we'll pass on that. And again, we, we want entrepreneurs to be supremely uh, confident, right? Uh, but the reality is every business is gonna have to pivot, it's gonna be something that happens and you have to, when that fire is burning, you know, are they gonna be coachable enough to be able to hear what you're saying in terms of advice? And that's why for us, and there are some investors that are not lead investors, um, but they invest and they're not really that active. And so that's why we take a little bit more time. Like, hey, can we add value? Because if you're going through an experience or a situation, um, you know, and you're trying to get to this, you know, you're waiting, maybe you got a client and you're trying to close this deal with, I don't know, Viacom or something like that. Hey, we might know someone there, we could pick up the phone, but you gotta pitch it this way. Mm and not necessarily your way because we already have insight into their buying decisions. So if an entrepreneur is not coachable that way and they only, and unfortunately a lot, you know, have a way that like they want to do it their way, then that's another area that, you know, for us it's not, we'll probably pass on those Gotta humble yourself a little bit. Hmm? That's so kind of humble yourself a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah, they can be supremely, you know, but if you're so focused, it, it, like we talk about planning, like, look, we know you have a plan. Yeah. But um, I think it was Mike Tyson that said, you know, everybody has a plan until they get hit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that happens. Like, that's just part of the entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. So, so it's important to be coachable and in those moments of friction that they can hear our voice when we're trying to advise them. But again, not that they're going to, we're not saying do everything we say, but are you at least taking that information in? Yeah. Or if we introduce you to someone, like, are you coachable to hear? Uh, what that message is, and can you take that information to make the company better? Got it. So I was actually going to ask, like, um, any advice that you had for entrepreneurs who want to grow? Would would that be it, being coachable, or do you have anything else that? Uh, something we talked about before. I mean, it's coaching, but it's also the mentorship aspect of things. And so that might be peer mentoring. That may be yes, advisors. And I kind of categorize: Hey, you have advisors for your company. You got coaches, and you got mentors and they can look and feel in different ways maybe it's industry ex expertise maybe it's just someone that kind of truly sees you when like they know you they yeah. know who you are at your core yeah and there's some mentors and they're going to give it to you straight like you know 
you know, Mom, you bullshit. Like you're saying this, but I, I know you, and that's you're capable of more than that. Like you need someone, you know, to check you at times. Or like Vinsky, like look, man, you're holding back. Like why? Why are you holding back? So we all need those coaches and mentors. And that has been, I've been, God has blessed me with some amazing mentors, coaches. Some formally, some informal, some relationship just happened. Um, so I would say that's that's definitely the other thing is you've got to surround yourself um, with people you can kind of check in with periodically to kind of gauge and validate what you're doing. And if you've got the right coach or mentor or advisor, and plural, that it can also save you some time for making repeated state, yeah. Uh, mistakes, yeah. right? Like, oh, wow, you know, they've already walked that path. So let me validate this thing before I spend two months yeah. <laughs> doing this thing that yeah yeah for sure uh so to kind of wrap it up do you have any final words of advice tips or anything that you want to let our audience know about it could be about anything we spoke about today or anything on your own yeah I, I think um we're just in some interesting times i think from the pandemic the last couple of years a lot of things with social race uh social and uh, racial injustices I think there's, I think we're all mentally being challenged in, in different ways. So I would say give yourself grace at, at times. I think the calibration of sort of pre-pandemic and things of 2020, we're carrying a, a lot of that. So I'm really on this mental wellness thing, like really, you know, for my mentees and check when I'm checking in with them and for myself in terms of like self-care and make sure I'm taking time to recalibrate how I did things sort of before March 20 to now. And so I would just encourage everyone, I don't care how old you are, if you need, you know, if it's therapy or a counselor, you know, confiding in friends, just, you know, be a little more vulnerable from that standpoint and make sure you're calibrating that that part of, get, hey, get your grind, don't get me wrong, like yeah. put the work in, but also make sure, try and be in tune from a self-care standpoint and that m mental wellness, because I just think that and you know, there might be another wave coming out. So I think we've got to all adjust and give ourselves yeah. a little bit of grace from that standpoint. Sure, I love it, I love it. I think that's a great way to end it. How can the people find you? Uh, Actually, wait, we do oh. need a song. We do need a song. You're right, you're right. Um, oh, that's right, the song. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> a right. New song. song. Last time we said Biggie, so I think we need something. We got, yeah. Oh, man. You want to listen to I any know. music on the way down here? <laughs> Actually, I was on the I was on the phone in. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, Biggie's always my go-to. I, I did mention it because I want to give him a shout out. Oh, yeah. Ray Wimley. Yeah, yeah, Wimley. Did say that. Because he's, he freestyles. I met him in New Orleans a couple of years ago. I mean, off the top of the head, he yeah. can just pick anything. Um, Wimley is Ray R A Y Wimley W I M L E Y. Just real dynamic dude. And when I see him, yeah, he's posting on Instagram. And, yeah. Um, just he's just really good and inspiring, so I like him. Uh, good, good, you know, young brother. So yes, Biggie is my go-to. I should have thought about. Um, oh man, I'm trying to think. Can't crack commandments. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm definitely hip hop is usually a, yeah. a big driver uh, for me. Um, I know this may sound strange, but a couple of songs I've been hearing lately, 
and this artist keeps popping up is Moneybag Yo. Like, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I will, like, there's been some interest. I'm like, Lala, I'm like, already hearing Lala. Yeah, I'm like, who is it? Yeah. Okay, I like that. Okay, I like yeah. that, that, that rhythm. Okay, that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's probably someone. Gangsta's pain. Gangsta's pain. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I don't even, I'm like, yeah, I'm like okay, what? All right. Um, yeah, that's probably a, a, a more it. recent. Uh, money bag. Throw yeah. them on the playlist. Throw them on the hey, playlist. Hey, you be the first one with money bag, and and we got. Ray We're making Ray a playlist Z. with the different. Oh, all right. oh, okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. So we'll throw it on there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah recently, I'm like, oh man, he keeps popping up on the features or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, all right, you know, put a nod in the head. Yeah. All right. Like, okay, yeah, I can get you this <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah. How can how can yeah. they reach you? Um, uh, so yeah, Instagram about, and yeah. Twitter is at vlee21 vlee. Two one, and LinkedIn just put in Vernon Lee and uh, what I will say if, if anyone reaches out on LinkedIn because I'm trying to manage all this email and phone yeah. calls and all that. But if anyone reaches out on LinkedIn, if they actually just mention in the uh, connection request that they saw this show, yeah, that would be helpful for me to kind of remember calibrate a yeah. bit so I can because I just get a lot of inbound. It's hard to yeah, to yeah, yeah. It's like who you so from? they yeah. should meet they. Should, Please mention the show. Everybody, eat Everybody show. eats. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like, and comment, subscribe before you even try to message them. You know, yeah. to, uh, use our <laughs> yeah, name. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, but I, yeah, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, but and LinkedIn. That's uh, that'll be the easiest. For sure, for sure. So, um, as we conclude, thank you again. This is part two. I think this is better than last time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was good. So, for sure. So. Thank you again for taking your time out. You drove. You. We had this episode right here in the hotel. Uh, uh, workroom, wherever this meeting room, right? <laughs> right. We make, make it happen. happen. We'll make yeah, it happen wherever it's at. I say, hey, we got the equipment. We just need the location, right? So, um, thank you again for taking your time out. Thank you again for for that insight, for that knowledge. For anybody listening to this, make sure you're following us on all platforms: uh, Instagram at Everybody Eats Show, TikTok at Everybody Eats Show, and our YouTube channel. Make sure you're following us on YouTube. Everybody Eats Show, and make sure you're following, like, subscribe on anywhere you listen to podcasts: Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Google Podcasts, wherever you listen, make sure you like, subscribe, share, comment, leave a review, all that great stuff. Help us get ranked. Um, tax season is over, but our tax class is still out, so oh, go check that go. out. Mm-hmm. Right. Check if you that fi- out. if you had to file an extension, you still got a little bit of time, so you yeah, can you still go. watch, can still watch and catch that information. Um, and obviously, it's good to it's good to always know that information. So be on the lookout for that, and we'll see you guys next week. And if I could just mention Hampton Roads Youth Foundation. Anyone to follow HRYF seven five seven. So we got some cool stuff coming up in July, a bowling party event, uh, some things that the public can come out to. In addition to the cancer at HRYF seven five seven, check us out. All right, for sure. So that's it for today's show. See you guys. Peace. <laughs>